Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer two Sunday morning services with something for everyone. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while the kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, 9.30 or 11.30 every Sunday. Now here's Pastor Marco with another encouraging word. If you have your Bible, um, our reading is coming from the Gospel of Mark, which is the second book in the New Testament, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is cruise season. So I want to talk to you about the power of friendships. And I'm going to title this message, Squad Goals. Squad Goals. Tell your neighbor, squad. Wow. (laughs) Squad goals. That was a struggle. Squad goals. (laughs) To get ready for the crew season, I always have a meeting with the crew leaders. They kind of give them a, a heart and a vision. And I share this scripture with them, but I want to add a different layer to it because God's word is so powerful. You can spend time on the same scripture and keep finding different things. So crew leaders, don't check out because, you you know, you know, human nature. Oh, we just did that. No, we're doing something different with it. Okay. Just so you know. Um, So Mark chapter two, verse one says, several days later, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, where he spent majority of Jesus' time was spent in Capernaum. And the news quickly spread that he was back in town. Jesus is back in town. Jesus is back in town. (laughs) Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house to hear him that there was no more room even outside the door. My friends, talking about goals, that's to me, that's church goals. That there's no more room for people because people keep hearing Man, when you go to New Life South Coast, you hear about Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got a plan for your life. You need to come to church. You need to come with me where there will be no more room. Help me prophesy that there will be no more room in this house. While Jesus was preaching, this they have in church, the word of God. Four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. Now picture that, my friends. They're having church. Imagine right now we're having church. All of a sudden you begin to hear, like someone is opening the roof and they're lowering somebody. Like that takes work and damage. Like, I don't know about you guys, but as a homeowner, I'm like, uh, who's paying for this? <laughs> you just tore up my roof. In, in, in Palestine, roofs are flat. And for you guys that maybe grew up in a country like Cape Verde, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the roofs are always flat. We take showers on the roof because we don't have running water, so you just go and make your own shower on the roof. You can go from one person's house to the next person's house to the next person's house on the roof. Uh, that's how I grew up. Going from roof to roof. So I kind of can identify with this, minus the fact that the roof was made out of things like clay. So 
so it was easier to kind of break through. It's easy, really hard that you would have to do some work here to get through this roof. Just some context. I don't know why. I just felt like telling you that. So, and when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. So my other question is, wait, did they come prepared? Like, how do you have a stretcher? Like, how quickly was that makeshift, pro- like, hey, we can't get in, we got to stretch it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever read the Bible like that? Because sometimes we just, like, read the Bible. It's like, wait, wait, time out. Y'all came and had a stretcher? That's, that's some serious work. Or was it, like, makeshift, like, okay, we can't get in. What can we find right now? Like, we're going to find a way to get this guy to see Jesus. Are you tracking? All right. So, when Jesus saw the extent of their faith, I love that line. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith. Because some people say they have faith. Some people actually have faith. You know that faith and wishful thinking is not the same thing? Can I preach to you real quick on just the subject? Like, like they could have went there and said, man, I wish we could have gotten you to Jesus. Sorry. We tried. Love you. But faith says, no, no, no. Faith is the evidence of things we haven't seen. So we haven't seen you healed yet, so we need to find a way to get you to Jesus so you can actually find the healing that you need. Like, we can't stop here. I think one of our struggles in life is that we give up too quickly. That's not even my message. I'm already preaching. Like, Jesus marveled at the extent of the faith. In other words, Jesus was like, yo, y'all were willing to do all that? Because sometimes people will just do the bare minimum and expect the blessing. Like it's the kid in school, right? They're just like, I just want to get a C. But it's like, that's what you want to be in life? Because if you start settling for C's at 15, you'll start settling for C marriage. And you'll start settling for C career and a C lifestyle. Y'all, that's not even my message. The extent of their faith, Jesus saw the extent of their faith. Jesus can see the extent of your faith. He said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are now forgiven. He saw the extent of their faith and he's like, I need to bless you for that. I need to honor your faith for taking such a leap. Right? Talking about a literal leap of faith where you break someone's roof when you're willing to put damages, right? In other words, question we have to ask ourselves once in a while is, how bad do I want something? I feel like I'm preaching a whole other message now. Like, this is not even what I had in mind. But how bad do we want something? Because sometimes we say we want it, but we're, we're reclining. We're right, we say we want it, but we don't lean in. Right? We say we want it, but we don't show up. What? What? Yes! I love that lady. Where are you today? Where are you? I need you in the front. You're going to be part of my well ministry, like right over here. I need you right here because you help me preach. All right? A well goes a long way than a yawn. You feel me? So thank you. 
Yeah, it gets lonely up here. I'm with you. <laughs> but my friends, four friends, four friends decided it's not okay for you to be where you are. We need to get you to Jesus. We're not okay with where you are. We need to get you to Jesus. Man, what a great friendship. What a powerful group of friends. My friends, we know this, that life is a sum of our relationships. When it's all said and done, what do we really have if not relationships? Our relationship with God the Father and our relationship with one another. It's what really matters in life. When we strip away everything else, it comes down to our friendships and our relationships and, and the closeness that we have with certain people. You know, I was even listening to a podcast yesterday by a psychologist who says that we were wired for connection down to the subatomic level, particles of our being, atoms, everything is designed for connection. They call this the law of entanglement. Like we're supposed to be entangled together. Like we can't help it but live together. And even when we don't have someone around us, we will find a Wilson to make friends with because we can't live life by ourselves. We were not created to live life by ourselves. So I want to talk to you, my friends, about the power of friendships. I want to talk to you about what it means to really have a solid crew in your life. Because we all need it. Every single one of us. The fact that you're here this morning is because you've had a crew on your side. You've had a crew of people who've prayed for you. You've had a crew of people who encouraged you. Crew of people who invited you, who stayed on you. Aren't you glad some people just refuse to let you stay where you are? They just keep showing up. And it's so cool because here's four friends saying, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not okay with this. We need to get you to Jesus because we believe he can heal you. They say this, that in life you will truly only be able to know people deeply by majority of times five people. They say you will have a lot of acquaintances in life, but to really know someone deeply, you, you, they say you're not, you're not able to extend that level of commitment and intimacy with more than just five. So I find it interesting here that this is five friends. They have this deep connection. They say you might be able to know people on a, on a pretty good level, up to 20 people in life. But deeply, five. And they say five is even rare. Right? You might have one or two. You're blessed if you have one or two people who deeply knows you and you deeply know them. Because we think we know each other until we get surprised. Right? Isn't that one of the interesting things about being married? It's like, man, you dated. Yeah, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> and you thought, like, we know everything about each other. And then you get married, you go, whoa, hello. I thought I knew you. And then for some of y'all, it's like a really shock because you wake up in the morning and the first time you see her without makeup, you're like, whoa, hey. <laughs> It's a, it's a different woman. <laughs> I 
I'm joking, I'm joking. I bet someone had that experience. Yeah, y'all wouldn't be laughing this hard. And the ones who are not laughing, that was you. <laughs> that was you. But I believe in life, we all long to be known, to truly be known, not, not the surface being known. That's why, I don't know if you understand, like psychologically speaking, the reason why social media is such a hit is because we want to be known. That's the reality of that. Like we want to be known, like we want people to be like, I like your posts. Like that's why we post. You don't post going, I hope no one likes this. I'm posting this to be disliked. Right? It's the reason why it's such a hit all over the world. People want to feel connected. And it shrinks the world. I'm able to talk to relatives in Cape Verde because of that. It's a beautiful thing, right? But the reality is we were meant for relationships. We're meant for connection. When we don't have those things, something is missing. That's why the biggest struggle right now in our society is isolation. Even though we have social media, we're not connected. We've settled for the look of it versus the reality of it. The reality of it is, I can't really have connection with you if I don't spend time with you. It's not the same. Like, if I don't sit with you and talk with you and ask you questions and, and, and unpack life with you, then it's always going to be a surface thing. And, and in life, unfortunately, we have more acquaintances than we have relationships. Because I know this for a fact. Personally speaking, you know, I have, like, 2,500 friends on Instagram. <laughs> friends. <laughs> but how I many of them can I pick up the phone and go, yo, I, I need to talk? That 2,500 shrinks <laughs> down very, very quickly, right? Because to know someone deeply is a very vulnerable thing. It's one of the things that scares people about relationships. They don't want to be really known. That's why some people are afraid of commitment. It's like, if I really commit, you're going to really know me. And can you accept me for who I really am? That's what we all fear. Let's be honest. All of us, when we come to a place like church for the first time, we're worried about, do I really fit in? We're not worried about the music. We're not worried about the preaching. We're worried about, like, okay, but can I, like, can I feel like... Or when you get a new job, isn't that one of the biggest concerns? Like, you can get a promotion and go in and feel like, man, I'm, I don't fit into this culture of this office or this, this place. Are you, are you tracking with me? It is our longing to be in deep connections and friendships. So two quick observations real quick, my friends, that I want to make about this is that, number one, we all want friends like this. All of us want friends who are willing to put their lives on the line and to do everything we, they can to help us. But the other observation I hope we can make today is this question, am I this type of friend? Because it can't be one way. A lot of times what I see is everything is one way. We're all waiting for someone to call us. But when do you call? We're all waiting for someone to reach out. But when do you reach out? We're all waiting for someone to show us Jesus. But when do you show Jesus? We're all waiting for someone to bless us. But when are you going to be the blessing? Right? So it's got to be a two-way street here. Because Jesus said the two greatest commandments in life is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as you love your self. self. The problem is we don't love ourselves. 
we have a hard time loving others. That's our struggle, my friends. We want this. But it's work to really get these types of relationships. Because Hollywood lie to us that it just kind of falls in place. And, and there's a montage and you go, you know, into sunset and you're driving. And next thing you know, you live happily ever after. But the reality is, no, it, relationships are work. Married people, help me out here. It, it's, your husband is work. How do I know? I'm a husband. Like kids is work. Right? It doesn't stop. Like yesterday, we got home from the cookout. We had a great time. As soon as I stopped the car, Dad, what are we doing now? It's like, wow. <laughs> Give me a minute. I've been chasing you around for three hours. My little girl's like, Daddy, get the bike. Get the bike. I'm tired. <laughs> it's work. You want to run a company? It's work. The hardest work is not even the spreadsheet. It's people. It's people. Now, here's what I find interesting. All of us, and I mean all of us, have been influenced by friends. Like, I don't care if you're the guy that's like, I'm not influenced. Yeah, you are. The fact that you say that tells me you are. Right? Like, all of us have been influenced by friends. Remember, you know, I'm going to pretend we all have a BC day, you know, before Christ. Right? Think about it. The first time you had a drink, I bet a friend was involved. Or a few. Like, you never go out and be like, I'm going to drink. It's usually a group of friends that goes, yo, today? <laughs> today. Are y'all like, why are y'all going to pretend... The first time you asked a girl out, friends were involved. I can guarantee you that. No dude on their own has that kind of guts at 15. It's usually like, yo, I think, you think? Yo, yeah, I'm telling you, you, you I mean, how, how, how do I do this? Ask her, write it down. Do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. Right? First time you went to a club was because of friends. You didn't think that on your own. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go clubbing. <laughs> friends were like, yo, it's, we about to go. You in? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess. Right? We're all being influenced. So to me, my friends, if that's true, right, why is it that we don't have that same sense of urgency when it comes to getting our friends to Jesus? Why is it that we can push friends to drink, push friends to date, push friends to try an app, push friends to try a restaurant, push friends to do all that, but then when it comes to Jesus, we're like, uh, I mean, that's kind of a private thing. Wait, dating is not private? That blows my mind that we care so much to get people to experience things in life. But we don't go that extreme to get them to experience the, the life. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. <laughs> My friends, sometimes, I, I, I need you to, to, to track with me here. Sometimes friends 
can contribute to us staying paralyzed in life. Now, I'm going beyond physical paralysis here. Sometimes the, 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 the same friends who encourage you to do certain things are also indirectly discourage you from doing certain things. Think about it. Here is one of the saddest truths about friendship sometimes. We are way too comfortable with each other's spiritual disabilities to do anything about it. I'm going to say that again. We are way too comfortable with each other's spiritual paralysis that we don't even do anything about it. Because we've settled that this is what it is. Those friends could have said, it is what it is, buddy. You're paralyzed. But something in them said, no, no, no. We need to do something about this. One time Jesus asked a paralyzed man. This blows my mind. Jesus blows my mind. A man, the Bible says he was paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus goes up to him and asks him, do you want to get well? Now that to me on the surface sounds like a really dumb question. The man is paralyzed. Why would you ask a paralyzed man if he wants to get well? Shouldn't you just heal him? But you'd be surprised how many people are paralyzed and are okay with it. Jesus doesn't want to violate your free will. Again, I'm talking deeper than physical paralysis here. I'm talking about emotional paralysis, spiritual paralysis, relationship paralysis. People get stuck. That's why Jesus has to ask, do you want to get well or you were good there? Because if you would have healed that guy without his consent, that guy could have turned on Jesus and said, man, I had it made here. People pick me up every day. People carry me every day. People feed me every day. People take care of me. When Jesus asks him that question, he's putting the ball in this court. Do you want to get well? Do you want something better for yourself? Do you want a better future for yourself? Or do you, are, you, are you good with where you are? And then the follow-up is even better. Jesus blows my mind. The guy says, well, I, I, every time. I come here because there was this, this theory that if they come to this pool and the first person that gets into the pool, the angel will steer the pool and they get healed. They're like, I've been coming, but every time someone else gets in front of me, someone else gets in front of me. But after 38 years, couldn't that guy be rolling himself closer to that pool? Like, shouldn't you be the guy that's like at the edge after 38 years? Shouldn't you be like the guy that's like, I'm like this. The moment I think steers, I'm flipping myself. To get healed. The problem is we get stuck in our paralysis without rolling ourselves towards something that God has for us. And all we do, we talk like we're crippled. It is what it is. I can't help it. No one can help me. And we're stuck. And then the worst is when people around us says, yeah, you are stuck. And now we camp around being stuck. We create groups about being stuck. We create Facebook pages about being stuck. It's amazing the ministries we create around being stuck when Jesus is asking, yeah, but do you want to get well? And then he said, pick up your mat and walk. Wait, I'm paralyzed. I love that about Jesus. He said, yes, and no, no. If I say it, you're healed. So get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stop acting like you're still paralyzed. It blows my mind how many people Jesus has touched, but they're still living like they're paralyzed. 
There's a difference between being saved and walk in your salvation. Like being saved is a declaration. Walk in your salvation is an affirmation. Listen, I receive what you said. I'm going to get up and start walking the things that you have for me. So we need people around us who refuses to let us get stuck in our paralysis. My friends, unfortunately, we don't challenge each other enough to see necessary changes. It's amazing to me that we say we care about people, but we are more concerned with offending them than helping them. We have conversations in our minds that we've never actually had with a person. In our minds, we already know what they're going to say to us. We never even actually had the conversation. And we discourage ourselves out of conversations we should have because in our minds, we already decided what other conversation is going to go. I'm telling you, this is the truth. And what happens is I stay stuck and you stay stuck, but then then we pretend that things are better. That's not God's will for us. My friends, we lick our wounds, but we don't find healing. I don't know about you. I'm 41 now. I feel old. I don't need to be around people who are going to empower my dysfunctions. Oh, that's a good word. Sometimes, because we love comfort so much, we'll get around people who tell us it's okay to be paralyzed. It's okay to be broke. It's okay to be single. And someone in your crew gets married, you make fun of them, but deep down inside you're hurting because you're like, man, that could have been me too. I don't want to get around people who tells me that, that we should be okay with church being small in New England. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm not going to receive that. You know how many people who think they mean well? Oh, pastor, it's so nice when we all know each other. Yeah, it's so nice when the whole world is going to hell and we don't care because we're so confirmed with that little, little thing and we don't care about the world. I don't need people to lie to me. I need people to tell me the truth, even if it hurts. Because I'd rather hurt and grow than to stay the same. My friends, sometimes the same friendly environment keeps us stuck in our paralysis. A lot of us, our enemy is friendly environments. Oh, that's a good word. We become victims instead of victors when the whole environment says, settle, sit down. But I've been saying this, it's been my mantra lately. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I remember when I had this revelation back in college. I remember being in a dorm watching a movie with a bunch of friends that I love dearly, dear friends of mine who have shaped my life till this day. People who have helped me get to where I am today. I love them to pieces. But I remember the revelation one day in that dorm room. I was a senior and I love hanging out with my friends. But I had this revelation and I didn't tell them this. They're going to hear this podcast and I love you guys. 
But we're watching a movie like we usually used to do, a bunch of dudes. We would pray together, we'd watch movies together, go to soccer practice together. They're the ones that encourage you to play soccer. I didn't want to play soccer anymore. I wanted to focus on, on my theology degree. But because of friends, friends will influence to do things. I'm glad they did. I had a lot of fun playing soccer again in college. It was great, good time. But that day in the dorm room, watching a movie, hanging out, everybody laughing, something told me, this is good, but it's not great. This is, this is fine, but is this all you want? I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not, you, you, you know me. I'm not one of those guys that's like, God told me, God told me, God told me. Some people, every five minutes, God told them. God's schizophrenic. <laughs> they told them thing one day, the next day, God said, who? That's a, that's a message for another time. <laughs> but it was clear. It was like, you can do this. Or you can do something better. Because the very friends that you're with right now can get you stuck in good. And you will miss the great. And without saying a word to them, I begin to make decisions that will take me from good to great. And because of those decisions, I lost some of them. But it's been a long time since college and I have not regretted my decision. One of them was that I was sitting there going, man, I love these guys, but man, I want to have a career. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have jobs. Like, I want to live a responsible life. This is not going to cut it. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. <laughs> I, I don't want to become an expert in movies. So I remember when I met my wife-to-be, Lindsay, some of them didn't approve but guess what? We've been together for 15 years, and some of my friends are still single. Tell me who made the right decision. I got a second job because I was like, yo, I think she's it. And if she's it, love don't pay bills. Because she comes with bills. Come on. We're in love. You know, you ever see the young people? Yeah. Inst- it, it worries me. A lot of these kids, Instagram love. Did you see our pre, 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 pre-engagement videos? for the Instagram. My concern is, how are you going to pay for that? Did you see our two weeks anniversary? Man, that's a lot of time on Instagram. Does that pay? If it doesn't, you better get a job. Because that love is going to require paying some bills. That love is going to require paying a mortgage and kids and, 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 and future and college and all those different things. My friends, we need to get out of good so we can get to great. Listen, I love this crew because they had one common goal, get our friend to Jesus. I don't know what the conversation was. I like to, I like to have, use my imagination because think about it. Four of them decided we're going. It takes unity to do that. 
right? Because the power of unity is powerful because, because one of them could have been doubting, but because everybody's in, he feels like, I, I can't be the odd guy out. That's why we drink or smoke. We don't want to be the odd guy out. Why not be the odd guy out when it comes to spiritual things? Come on, come on, talk to me. What, why is it that we're not the odd guy out in the world, but we got to be the odd guy out in church? He says, no, no, we got to give you to Jesus. So, so my friends, today, I, I pray we got to ask some questions. I want to poke our friendships a little bit here because I want us to go from good to great. Can I do that? I got the mic, so. <laughs> do your friends push you toward Jesus? Because let's be honest, we all know the feeling when we walk away from a conversation. Did that conversation make you feel better or worse? Pay attention. A friend of mine, one of my good friends, would say to me, every time I see him, it was one of those guys, man, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm hurting. Like that was, that was the thing. Every time, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. So one, one day I finally told him, I said, buddy, we're friends. Can I tell you something? Every day you tell me you're hurting, you're struggling, but I see your car in the same house every single time. Could it be that there's a connection between your hurting and struggling and where you're going every day? Are those people lifting you up or tearing you down? Because here's the thing. I'm not talking about good people or bad people. That's not the point. I'm talking about is it beneficial? Is it helpful? Is it helping me? Is it, is it making me a better person? Is it making me a better follower of Jesus Christ? I'm not, because sometimes we stay in the shallow. They're not bad people. That's not the point of Christianity. It's not that to do bad things. The point of Christianity is to do the good things that God has called us to do together. But so a lot of times we're living on the defense instead of living on the offense. It's not about what I'm not doing wrong. It's what are you doing right? We don't do anything. We just hang out. That's the problem. There's no purpose behind hanging out. I was talking to some young people this week. I said, even in hanging out, you should have a purpose. You want to hang out and have no regrets. Does your hanging out have purpose? Second, my friends, number two, do you push your friends towards Jesus? Because sometimes you might be the problem. This goes beyond being a church goer. This is about what kind of influence do you have on your friends? Because you might be the leader of the pack. You might be the one that every time they're trying to make a decision, they look to you. You know that happens in circles, right? Even like, man, where, 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 where should we go eat? We look at that person that usually is more vocal and everybody listens to. I believe that's a divine responsibility that God gives us to say, listen, how are you going to use that? Are you going to use that to point people towards me? Or are you going to use that to point people to away from me? Because we all have influence. They say in life, every single human being will influence thousands. Even the shyest person in the world has influence. Your silence is a witness. Sometimes when you're quiet about something, you're either condoning it or you're approving it. So we all have influence. This is not like the guy with the microphone. No, all of us have a microphone called life. The way we're living right now is an influence either towards Jesus or away from Jesus. This, the other thing I want to poke at today is number three. Go ahead. Do you have honest and vulnerable conversations with your friends? Because a lot of times we say we have friends, but we, we have acquaintances, not friends. Friends you should be able to be honest with and vulnerable with. 
This is something that's really weighing on my heart. The suicide rate is crazy in our society right now. This week, I, I was mourning a pastor, 30 years old, who killed himself. I never met him, but I felt like he was a friend of mine. I mourned for three days. I couldn't, I just kept, stopped weeping and thinking about him and his, and his, and his wife and two little kids. And here's a guy who helped everybody. I followed him from far, and I loved him, everything that he was about. But deep down inside, he was hurting. 30 years old with a big church, big ministry, wrote books, speaks everywhere, travels the world, and takes his own life. And I'm not blaming this on anybody. What I'm saying is, do we have people that we can be honest with and say, man, I'm hurting, struggling. I need someone to talk to. All we do is talk about Brady. Are we going to talk about life? Because I don't know if that's a real honest to goodness friendship if all we do is stay on the weather and the Patriots. Especially for us guys who struggle with vulnerability. We're killing ourselves. We're isolating ourselves. The enemy would love to isolate you so he can lie to you. So he can tell you you're not worth it. That's why today I feel such a burden to tell you, no, you matter. You matter. God created you. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. It's to live in community with others so you can be honest and vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay because there's, there's a God who is in the middle of you mess. And if we're not doing that for each other, my friends, we're missing a big chunk of life. If all we do is put on the church service, but no one gets to be in a crew where they can be honest and vulnerable and grow without judgment, without condemnation. Because all of us, to be truth is, all of us are hurting. Don't buy into that spiritual elite people that would think nothing bad happens to them. They're in la-la land. Because life hurts. And we need each other in these moments. And because we're hurting... Instead of helping each other, we just, we just throw daggers at each other, not realizing we're all hurting. When are we going to find out that we're on the same team called humanity and we're all hurting, all struggling, all need each other to pull each other towards Jesus who can do something about our pain and our hurts? One last thing about poking friendships is their accountability. Because true friendships has accountability. Accountability is not, is not the negative thing a lot of people make it sound. Accountability is not like, what are you doing wrong? Accountability for me is, what are you doing right? Accountability is, I want to help you strive for the best version of you. And you do the same with me. When I was in college again, there was a guy that I met who became one of my best friends. We were complete opposite people. He was from Virginia. And, and, he, and he had this deep voice, and I used to make fun of him. I'm like, yeah, you're not from Virginia. You're from West Virginia. There's a difference between Virginia and West Virginia, if you know what I'm talking about. But we became best friends, and, and, and we made this pact with each other. I said, you know, we were studying theology together. We've seen how many people have done it, but they don't live it. So can we be accountable to each other to make sure that we're not just here pretending to be in a Christian school like so many were doing, just pretending to be in a Christian school but not having a Christian lifestyle? I said, you know what, can you hold me accountable and I'll hold you accountable. And we gave each other permission to ask each other tough questions. But at the end of the day, my friends, to me, the greatest accountability person is the man in the mirror. Because I can lie to him. 
but can I lie to myself? Am I okay with living with myself knowing that I'm lying to myself? I don't know if you do this. It's a weird thing I do, but I do this. I, once in a while, I look myself in the mirror and I say, are we good? Are we, are, we be, are we the person we said we are? Are we doing the things we said we're going to do? Are we, are we being honest with ourselves? You ever do that? It's scary to look at yourself in the mirror and say, are we really that person that we say we are? And it's good to have other voices in your life to ask tough questions. Not because I'm trying to condemn you or judge you, because I'm trying to help you. But we're so shallow in our society nowadays that anyone who points out anything wrong, we're thinking they're hating. We create imaginary, imaginary haters as opposed to embracing accountability. Every time someone is trying to help you, they're not trying to hate on you. Matter of fact, if you have someone willing to ask you tough questions, you are one of the few blessed people in the world who has people who care enough to ask you questions that you need to be asked so you can grow in your life. Let me end. My friends, the action steps today is, I think we need to reevaluate our close friendships. And say, are these friendships deep as they should be? Are these people really helping me push towards Jesus? We're supposed to be friends with everybody. But I'm talking about deep friendships. These are the ones that actually have a say in my life. Everybody could say something, but not everybody carries the weight in my life. You understand what I'm saying? I live a public life. Everybody thinks they can have an opinion of me, which is fine. But not everybody has my ear. Do you understand? There's a difference. Because they see me appear, they think, it's free game. <laughs> and those who know me know, like, I'm the most introvert person you're going to meet. Like, this is a gift that I get to do. But outside of that, I got a small circle. And you know who I are in those circle? My wife and my children. For the most part. I'm going to go to therapy for a second here. But this calling is lonely. It's lonely. It comes with it. That's okay. That's what I told you. I have a lot of acquaintances. People that will tell you, man, that message blessed me. And then two days later, they're criticizing you. It comes with it. It's, it's, it's part of it. I've had people tell me to my face, pastor, I love you. And then stab me in the back. It's just life. No, I'm not doing a boohoo here. I'm telling you, you need close friends. When I need something, I don't go to people who are not going to be able to speak something over me. I have a pastor, and I have pastor friends that can understand what, it, what this comes with. And we all need people like that. Who, see, I used to knock on Hollywood actors. Because we were like, we thought they're snobs. But then I realized, no, they're human beings. They just want to be around people who are actually going to care about them and help them. That's why they don't connect with other people. Because people don't relate. But we all need the close friendships that can actually say something in meaningful that you can say, I can take that to the bank. Because not everybody has the same motives and intentions over your life. That's just the reality of it. In life, you even have to discern... Between what's good and what's great. And I, want, I don't know about you guys, 
But when it comes to closeness, I want to be around people who first of all can accept me first before trying to change me. You get what I'm saying? I do want to be changed, but first you have to accept me first. Because if it starts with changing me, then it was never me that you liked in the first place. I tell my staff that. I'm like, if I can't have staff meetings and be me, we, we're in the wrong business. If you want me to be another pastor, you, you're in the wrong staff. But if you can accept me first and then we can build on, on, on criticisms and constructive criticisms and help each other, then we can go somewhere in life. Not just in ministry, but life. Because life is a big ministry. Number two, am I this type of friend? Because we all want it, but am I it? This is what's really been convicting me because I have to turn to me. I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm going to talk about friendships, and I don't have many. <laughs> so this is a challenge to say, I'm not just going to put this on other people. Am I that person that I want you to be for me? Because it starts with the man in the mirror. Because every day, man, you see people say, no one cares. No one helped me. No one visited me. No one, what, did you? It takes two. It takes two. Did you reach out? Did you call? Did you invite? Did you text? It's telling the crew leaders, every week I believe that if you pay, if you stop and say, God, who do you want me to reach out today? I, he puts names Names will just come. And I'm amazed how many times names will come and I'll text them. They'll say, you have no idea how much I needed that. Because I, I don't want to just receive. I want to give. And it's crew season. So my, my third point is this. Listen, join a crew. Take a chance. Get uncomfortable in order to grow. Everything you want in life is on the other side of comfort. Everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. Are they going to accept me? Are they going to love me? I don't know. You got to take a chance. You don't get married without taking a leap of faith. I don't care how much you know someone. It still is a leap of faith. Is this going to work? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> it's a leap of faith. You do all your homework, but you still got a leap. Are you with me? But I love how this ends, my friends. Jesus, verse 5, go to, go to the last verse. Look at this. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. My goodness. I pray that we get around people who get us to Jesus and Jesus says, oh, I'm willing. And notice though, he was paralyzed, but Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? It's almost like a downer, isn't it? Oh, we brought him here to get healed. And you, Jesus, you're getting Christianese on us? No, my friends, you have to understand, Jesus doesn't do anything by accident. He knows at the end of the day, your greatest paralysis is your sin. If I can heal your sin, then I can heal anything else. Because you can be walking and still be paralyzed. So Jesus goes to the greatest need that we all have, which is a savior. Because the greatest paralysis we have is spiritual 
not physical. There's been people, my friends, who've been healed of cancer here who have left Jesus because they got physically healed, but they never got spiritually healed. We want to be spiritually healed, then physically healed, then emotionally healed. So allow Jesus today to forgive you of your spiritual paralysis. The greatest decision of your life is to embrace the healing that he brings. First, inwardly. When he begins that work, he doesn't stop there. If you keep reading, he says, well, let me show you. I can do both. But he's like, I'm concerned with the biggest thing because it's better to go to heaven crippled than to go to hell whole. So stand with me as we pray this morning. I want to pray that you will let Jesus come and heal your spiritual paralysis and give you life, give you meaning, give you purpose. But then I, I want to pray that he makes you a friend that others can say, that friend leads me to Jesus. That friend points me to Jesus. That friend does everything he can. I really pray that that mess with us. Why is it that we push people to try so many things in life but we don't push them towards Jesus if you're here today and you know that spiritually speaking you're not right with God I believe Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins he wants to come into your life and transform you and heal you and restore you I believe everything Jesus does is first spiritual because that's your greatest need so with every head bow eyes closed I want to pray for those who are ready to receive Jesus as their Savior, as their leader, as their healer. And I'm going to ask you to do something brave right now. If, I, if you know I'm talking to you, I just want you to put your hand up and say, that's me. I, I want you to pray for me. I see you. 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 So many hands. I see you. I see you. Pray this prayer with me from your heart. Say, Jesus... I'm ready to be healed. I believe that you are what I need, what I'm looking for. So come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, my life is in your hands. Heal me spiritually, emotionally, physically. Have your way in my life. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, please share it with another person. And for more information, visit our website, newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.